With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, everybody. I'm Logan Camden. I'm Carson Brabber. And this is Nerd Session. No! Oh, my God. How could he do that? Are you on What? Charles Darwin. All right. So today on Nerd Sesh, we are going to be talking about a topic that I kind of can't believe we haven't gotten to yet. The 10 greatest NFL teams in the league's history as far as a single season dominant performance. I think that this is a really exciting one. This was sort of reignited in my mind by the last dance and that conversation about the greatest basketball team ever because of, of course, the 96 Bulls. So I figure we might as well apply it to both basketball and football. So we are going to be doing this for the NBA next week. But Logan, first off, I'm going to throw it to you. Who do you have at number 10? The team at number 10 to me is a team that we watched with our very own eyes live, and it's the 2013 Seahawks. And I felt I had to include this team on the list because they stopped the greatest offense I've ever seen. They held the 2013 Broncos to eight points. I mean – Peyton Manning tossed 55 touchdowns that season and had offensive weapons everywhere. I mean, they shut down Julius Thomas, um, Wes Welker, Demarius Thomas, whoever, uh, Eric Decker, whoever you, they threw at the Seahawks Legion of Boom secondary of Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas. I mean, you have Bobby Wagner there. This team was just so talented defensively. And then you look in retrospect offensively, and they were just as dominant with Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin out there. It was just a really good team that I don't think got appreciated as much as they should have been during their, you know, big title years. Yeah, I mean, the Seahawks make a solid case because I'd say they're the best defense since the 2000 Ravens, and that was their defining trait. But you're right, they do have, you know, a Pro Bowl-level guy at that point, Russell Wilson, who has now evolved into an MVP-level guy. They have the top five running back in football in Marshawn Lynch, and that Super Bowl performance is one of the most dominant ever. The thing for me with the Seahawks is outside of that, you know, they did have a couple of really competitive playoff games to open things up against the Saints and the Niners, whereas some of the teams on this list just eviscerated the competition. And I'm not sure they had as dominant of a regular season either. So they were definitely in that conversation for me. But for me, it was a question of the dominance outside the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl is the lasting impact of that team that they obliterated a team where Peyton Manning had 55 touchdowns like, you know, like they were nothing. And the, the Broncos never had a chance in that game. My number 10 is the 1996 Packers. 
So this one was pretty close for me between this team and the 98 Broncos who ended up being the first off my list as far as sort of the team of the late 90s. But the Packers this year, they were 13-3. and three. They averaged 28.5 points per game, which was first in the league. 13.1 points allowed, which was first for a plus 15.4 point differential. You have MVP Favre, maybe the best Favre has ever been in this season. You have an aging Reggie White, but still, you know, a really good player defensively. You have an all-pro Leroy Butler at safety. And again, I talked about sort of the margin of victory with the Seahawks. That was a factor to me because if you're eking out close wins, you can be a little bit deceiving with your record. Not saying that the Seahawks were that, but there are other examples of teams that I can think of. Only two of the 96 Packers wins were by one possession. They won seven games. Over half their wins came by over 25 points. To me, that is convincing dominance. And then in the playoffs, they were really never in any danger. They beat the Niners 35-14. Then they beat the Panthers 30-13. Then they beat the Pats 35-21. So it's an interesting contrast because... The Seahawks, I would say, played higher quality opponents en route to their Super Bowl because obviously the 96 Patriots, it's not like they're an all-time team versus the 2013 Broncos, which as you mentioned was the greatest offense ever. Even the Niners of that era were probably better than any of the team the 96 Packers faced. But I do think there's something to obliterating whoever is put in front of you. And I think that that's something that the Packers achieved at a very high level. One thing I wanted to touch on uh, that you mentioned about the Seahawks, the greatest defense that we've seen since the 2000 Ravens, I really considered the Ravens very heavily for this just because, I mean, I think everyone remembers what they did to Kerry Collins in the Super Bowl. It was an obliteration. It was the worst quarterback mm. performance I think we've seen in a Super Bowl, maybe next to Rich Gannon. Another team that I considered the 0-2 Bucks as well because of their defensive mm -hmm. firepower, but you obviously understand why those teams would get left off. I'm glad that you bring up the 96 Packers because they are number nine on my list. Okay. Um, and I felt that when you get a guy like Brett Favre and he has a such a dominant career year, I mean, 39 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. And then, I mean, obviously we all know that free agency was a big aspect of why the 96 Packers were successful because they were able to bring in Reggie White, the, in my opinion, why the 96 Packers should be here at number nine or because mm -hmm. they had the two best players in football. Mm -hmm. On offense and on defense. Now, Reggie White, obviously not at the uh, pinnacle of his career. He only rallied up, racked up eight and a half sacks this season. But a Super Bowl victory, in my opinion, with the two best players in the game on offense and defense, I felt that the Packers warranted, and as you mentioned, a large margin of victory in many games. This team was just really good. So I actually have at number nine, I was talking about late 90s dominance. I have the 1999 Rams, who I think you don't quite consider them as much late 90s because 99 is their first season as a contender, and then they go into 2000, 2001. But it's the greatest show on turf. It is along with the 2013 Broncos, along with maybe the 07 Pats. I mean, it's right up there for the greatest offense of all time. They were 13-3, and posted 32.9 points per game. They were first in the league in scoring, 15.1 points allowed, which was fourth for a plus 17.8 point differential, which I think we'll see is something that is not achieved very often in the history of football. And, I mean, you talked about having the best player on both sides of the ball in Favre and Reggie White. They probably had, or debatably had, the two best players offensively in football on the same I think, side. I think, I think, Carson, you could argue way more than that. I think you could argue they had the four best players in offense in football that year with the O-line included and with Orlando yeah. Pace. Yeah, no, that's actually a great point because this is a year where this is a Warner MVP where he has 4,353 yards and 41 touchdowns. But then Marshall Falk, who, of course, is 
also an MVP in his career, has 2,400 yards from scrimmage. And then defensively, if there's one thing that a lot of these great teams share in common, it's a dominant pass rusher. And that's what they had in Kevin Carter, 17 sacks, an all-pro appearance on defense. Again, margin of victory. They won nine games by 20 or more points. Their first six games, they outscored their opponents 217 to 63. So that's, you know, 38% of the season. Their average score is 36.2 to 10 and a half. And then in the playoffs, they beat the Vikings 49-37, an offensive explosion. That's a Vikings team that had gone 15 and one the year before. They beat the Bucks 11 to six in a really uncharacteristic, weird scoring game. And then they beat the Titans 23 to 16. And I don't know. I imagine you're probably going to have the Rams higher. The reason I don't is the three losses are a factor just because there's not all that many teams on my list that have three losses. But another thing is for a lot of these teams, it's not even conceivable that they could have lost a Super Bowl. They were so convincingly superior and the Rams were incredibly close to to having that Super Bowl sent to overtime against the Titans a yard away. In fact, so it's nitpicky, but that's where we get to with these lists. I don't have the 99 Rams on my list, and I'm glad you do mm. because, uh, as you know, here at Nerd Sesh, everybody, we are big Isaac Bruce enthusiasts. Um, anytime Massive. that we can mention him, um, he, he was a beast. And I'm glad that you had them on there just because we all remember them for their offensive firepower, and it just drives home the fact. I didn't have them on my list just because with this list, I felt it was – you could go anywhere you really wanted. There are so many good teams throughout history – the Rams are in one of my honorable mention in my honorable mentions, excuse me, but good pick Carson. I like it. Obviously we all remember what dominant offense they had with Falk. I'm, it's just stupid. I'm just thinking about the roster. It's just stupid how much talent they had on offense. It is incredible. And they scored enough points to where they have the second point, point second best point differential of any team on my list without having an elite defense of the same tier of some of these other teams. And while losing three games, they were so convincing in victory. So let's move on. Who do you have at number eight? Number eight, I have the 1991 Redskins. And this team is interesting because they don't have the big time names that other Mm -hmm. teams on this list would do, such as the 99 Rams, the number one offense and the number two defense that season, they finished 14 and two and outscored their playoff opponents, Falcons, Lions, and Sadly, the Buffalo Bills, 101 to 41. I mean, when you think about the schedule that this team had to face, they cut through a tough NFC East with the big three in Dallas, a tough, hard-nosed defense in Philadelphia. Again, the reason that the 91 Redskins aren't going to be higher on my list is because they don't have enough big names to justify it. Mark Rippon led this team at quarterback, earned a Pro Bowl nod, and had 28 touchdowns to 11 picks. And names such as Art Monk, remember Ernest Biner? Browns running back Ernest Miner was on this roster as well. And Earl Clark, they led the way offensively with Rippon. And on defense, uh, perennial Redskin, uh, Daryl Green, I believe he played for 40 years. Uh, yep. Cornerback, the man never aged. And Charles Mann. Again, not a whole lot of big names here, but the number one offense from that season and the number two defense finishing out 14-2. and two. I feel like the 91 Redskins are a bit overshadowed. And funny enough, Carson, I feel like teams, not the Cowboys, not the Cowboys, they don't count, but teams like the Redskins, I feel like, I think the Bills still overshadowed teams like this because they got to four Super Bowls and lost four straight. Not to drudge up old things, but I feel like the teams like the 91 Redskins go a bit unnoticed because we remember the Bills from the early 90s. Absolutely. I totally agree. I have this, uh, I have the 91 Redskins higher because I think if you're looking at individual season dominance, they belong higher. And I think that You know, it's interesting you talk about star power because they certainly don't have it in relation to a lot of these other teams. But 
Some of the great single season teams don't, you know, I think the 85 bears probably don't the 72 dolphins probably mm-hmm. don't. And those are two of the signature great teams of all time. So I have the 91 Redskins higher. Of course, they, I think, have been remembered relatively for the Hogs, for that dominant offensive line. But outside of that, you know, I don't know if everyone – there are some real football fans. I'm not sure that could tell you which one Theismann won, which one Doug Williams won, and which one Mark Rippon won. So it's pretty weird that in within about a decade, they have three Super Bowls, three separate quarterbacks, Theismann the only one of them with real star power. So, again, I have them higher. My number eight is the 1973 Dolphins. The follow-up act to the undefeated 72 team, they were 12-2, and averaged 24.5 points per game, which was fifth in the league, 10.7 points allowed, which was first for a plus 13.8 point differential. Uh, offensively, they had Paul Warfield and Larry Sonka as all pros. Defensively, they had Jake Scott and Dick Anderson both as all pros at safety. And interestingly, again, you know, when you think of the 70s Dolphins, Bob Greasy's their quarterback. So, you know, their dominance wasn't necessarily offensively, Defensively, they were smothering this year. They held their opponents to seven points or less six times, had back-to-back shutouts in weeks nine and ten. They were 12-1 and with Greasy at quarterback, and they lost only one game, or they lost their only game when Earl Morales started, who, of course, had led them to such dominance in the season prior with Bob Greasy injured. At this point, Earl was getting even a little old for his taste. I think he was like 39. But then in the playoffs, just breezed by the competition again, beat the Bengals 34-16, beat the Raiders 27-10, beat the Vikings 24 to seven. So every win coming by at least 17 points in the playoffs, I think that they were never really questioned in their dominance. And it's so strange to have this little mini dynasty with Bob Greasy as their quarterback. No, it's, it's definitely an interesting situation. I find it interesting Carson that you would include this team on your list with having the perfect dolphins, you know, almost as a mandatory for anybody's top 10 list. Mm -hmm. Well, I thought about, so I thought about leaving this team off just because I was like, should I have two mid-70s Dolphins? But then I was like, if they are, in my opinion, a superior team to, let's say, the 98 Broncos, who were the first team off my list, I'm not going to include the 98 Broncos just for variety's sake. Just like, you know, if there's three Bulls teams on my greatest of all time list, then there's three Bulls teams. What can you do? So that's the way that I looked at it. I really wanted to put just straight up the best individual teams. So let's move on. Who do you have at number seven? So number seven is a team that I think many people could have way higher because of their dominance in the playoffs, and it's 1994 49ers. This team went 13-3, and and under the tutelage of Seifert, George Seifert, obviously now, uh, instead of having Bill Walsh at the helm, you also have your you know, new franchise quarterback in there, Steve Young. 35 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Everybody remembers the 1994 49ers for wrapping up a huge blowout in the Super Bowl against the oh man. The Chargers are here in the Super Bowl game because the Pittsburgh Steelers lost in the AFC Championship game. Uh, Stan Humphreys, our uh, nerd sesh's favorite, Stan Humphreys. Oh yeah, getting to the Super Bowl against the '94 49ers, where the Niners won 49 to 26. There are other games in the playoffs, 44 to 15 over the Bears in the divisional round, 38 to 28 over the Cowboys. Um, All-pro and pro bowler Steve Young, 13-3 record, 35 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And Steve, I think Steve is really still criminally underrated because of what Joe Montana did in town. I think you remember that iconic line, I got the monkey off my back. I think people Mm -hmm. appreciate what Steve Young did in town, but he was such a good – he wasn't a game manager. He just fit a good West Coast system and was such a good improviser. 
he's just a perfect fit to fill back in the system. You have a Pro Bowl running back in Ricky Waters as well. Jerry Rice is still here alongside John Taylor. Uh, a young Ed McCaffrey is here as well. And then on defense, Neon Dion is here along with Charles Mann, Richard Dent. Uh, not a classic 49ers team that you would remember with Joe Montana and mm-hmm. Ronnie Lott in the backfield in the secondary, but a very talented team. And I know a team that many people had in their top five. Yeah, I think if there's a case to be made for the 94 Niners, I actually ended up leaving them off my list. They would have been my third choice as far as Niners teams of this era. Obviously, a slightly different era because, as you mentioned, it's now Steve Young running the show. They have a couple things for me that are just a little bit of red flags. Again, we're always nitpicking at this level, but they lost 40-8 to to the Eagles in Week 5. And, yeah, you can still be an incredible team and do that. But there are certain teams that you almost can't imagine getting blown out like that, where their only losses just almost seem like mistakes. They're close things where close games where weird things happen. But they did pick up as the season went on, and they're really dominant towards the end of the regular season and really dominant in the postseason. So I can't really criticize this choice all that much. My number seven is the 1975 Steelers. Now, Logan, I don't know if this is going to be too low for your liking. I guess we'll get to your thoughts after I give the spiel on them. So this team was 12-2. and two. They averaged 26.6 points per game, which was fifth in the league, 11.6 points allowed, which was second, for a plus 15-point differential. And obviously, this is a loaded team. I think you could argue this is the greatest defense of all time. Offensively, you have Bradshaw, you have Franco Harris, you have Lynn Swan, all pro bowlers on that side. Defensively, you have Jack Ham, Mel Blunt, both as all pros. Jack Lambert is a pro bowler. You don't have Mean Joe Green this season, but still absolutely dominant on that unit with the Steel Curtain. And their second loss of the season came in the last week when they only played Bradshaw for half the game. They lost 10-3 to the Rams. So, yes, it's a loss on the record, but it's more of a half loss because I think they probably would have put up more than three points with Bradshaw playing that whole game, even though, Logan, for all I know, you might think that Bradshaw was worse than whoever it was. Was it Joe Gillum? I think it was Joe Gillum that came in for half of that game. They held their opponents to single digits in scoring in seven games. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about, in my opinion, the best defense of all time. They smother teams, and they allowed 20 points twice, twice in the entire season. Then in the playoffs, beat the Colts 28-10, to beat the Raiders 16-10, to and beat those uh, vintage 70s Cowboys 21-17. to That Raiders team would also win the Super Bowl the next year as well. So that's a legit all-time caliber team as well. So I just think... They were pretty dominant. Their defense is probably the greatest ever, in my opinion. And yes, maybe they weren't as convincing in their playoff victories as some of the other teams, but I think that they are deserving of being seven here. I think you can take any 70 Steelers team and make a case. The 75 Mm -hmm. Steelers were not the team that I went with uh, from the 70 Steelers. Uh, I talked to my dad and asked him, you know, I mean, him watching it firsthand, who he thought Mm -hmm. was the best Steelers team. And I'll get to who they are. Um, when when they're on my list mm-hmm. uh i don't think you go wrong here i mean terry had a decent season and i have to say i have a little bit more respect for terry bradshaw now during the quarantine i watched a football life on terry and i don't know i guess i understand his situation a little bit better i mean terry really going back and looking through the numbers terry really stunk at the start of his career yeah. he was a bad quarterback and yeah. turned it around uh you mentioned you've got franco here not a bad choice i mean it's a 70 Steelers team. You, you can make the case for any of them. I'm surprised you don't have four of them here. So <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Logan, who do you have at number six? So number six is a team that 
many people uh, I've seen have number one on their list, and I think it's a dumb take. Uh, it's the 1985 Bears, and I know it's probably pretty low for you, Carson. I I just know historically how people think of this team, and I don't think the 85 Bears the, the greatest defense of all time, right? That's that's what the tagline is with them. Mm-hmm. I think that the 70 Steelers have the best defense of all time, so obviously I'm going to take offense. But this is still a stupidly talented team. Um, they finished 15-1 and and had the second-best offense and best defense in the NFL that season. In the playoffs, they blanked the Giants in the divisional round, blanked the Rams in the divisional round, 24 – or, excuse me, in the NFC Championship game, 24 nothing, and, as we all remember, killed the Pats – 46 to 10 in the Super Bowl, which is why I think historically this team gets bumped up a little higher because of the massacre in the Super Bowl. Uh, McMahon went 11 and 0 in his starts and earned Pro Bowl honors despite only throwing 15 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. But it's 1985. What are you going to do? Walter Payton uh, carried the offense, racking up 1,500 yards and nine touchdowns. Like I said, many people consider this team to have the best defense of all time, and it's it's tough to contest because they had five Pro Bowlers in Richard Dent, Otis Wilson, Dan Hampton, Dave Dewerson, and Mike Singletary. And funnily enough, this team also had three first-team All-Pro selections. One wasn't a Pro Bowler, as Dent Singletary and WWE superstar Steve Mongo McMichael also earned first-team All-Pro honors. Um, The 85 Bears are a really good roster, a very talented team. I just think, in my opinion, looking back through history, I think this team is a little overrated because of their Super Bowl performance. Okay. So I'm going to disagree with you big time there, Logan. I'm going to spoil something. I do have the 85 Bears at number one. And I may – listen, as I just said, I think that the 75 Steelers had the best defense ever. The 85 Bears are right there, and I think they were really potent offensively in a way that is not remembered. You said that they're sort of over-celebrated because of the Super Bowl demolition, but how about the 21-0 shutout in the divisional round, then the 24-0 shutout in the conference championship, and then the 46-10 Super Bowl? So those in combination – that's a 9-to-1 ratio between their scoring and their opponent's scoring. They're scoring nine times for every one score that their opponents have. And I think the regular season point differential is all time. You look at some of their quality opponents in the regular season, they beat reigning Super Bowl champs 49ers by 16. They beat the future Super Bowl runner-ups, by Pats, by 13 in the regular season. They beat the 10-6 and Redskins 45-10. to So I'm going to go out there and say that there are two factors, Logan, and why you have them at number six. Number one is that you are upset that uh, people celebrate them over the 70s Steelers as the greatest defense of all time. Maybe, maybe. And number two is, as we saw with the 91 Redskins, I think that you are favoring teams that had perennial legendary stars. And outside of Walter Payton, the 85 Bears don't have that. But what they did have was an exceptional single season. Not at the same level of like the Niners or the Steelers. That's well, no, no, no. I mean, I would agree, but on defense, I, I mean, I will admit, Dan Hampton, Mike Singletary, Richard Dent, these are – this defense was crazy good. I mean, yeah, yeah I don't think I, – I would agree. They don't have the star talent that we would see from the Niners because they're the 49ers or yeah. the Steelers because I'm a biased sports journalist. But <laughs> <laughs> look, Carson, I have to make the case to make sure that the Steelers are higher than the Bears on this list, but also – they secured the point for, um, you know, they secured like three spots on the greatest Super Bowls list. Come on, man. Well, what I think is, yeah, no, good for you. You're fighting for the Steelers. They so desperately need it with their six Super Bowls. <laughs> what I think is interesting about this is to me, the 85 Bears are an example of how you can have that really exceptional single season and never 
quite achieved that level of dominance again. I mean, they were great the next year. They were 14 and two, but they lost in the first round and they're a playoff team for, you know, basically all of the mid eighties because they keep a good chunk of this team together, but to have such a dominant team and then to never, you know, never win another Super Bowl, it's just interesting compared to some of the dynasties, but I still think single season, they're the greatest ever. Mike Ditka rode this team's coattails for another 17 years so he could trade an entire draft for Ricky Williams, man. It's insane. He really did. It is incredible how directly he's associated with the Bears. All right. So my number six is the 1989 49ers. This is a team. They were 14-2, and 27.6 points per game, which led the league. 15.8 points allowed, which was third for a plus 11.8 point differential. They're two losses on the season. And this is what I was talking about where versus the 94 Niners, where they get blown out 40 to eight. So there's clearly some legitimate flaws there at some point in the season, at least their two losses were to the Rams by one and the Packers by four. They had only four, one possession wins. So most of their wins are quite convincing. Obviously there's just ridiculous loaded talent on this team. You have Montana and rice, both as all pros offensively. You have Ronnie Watt as an all pro defensively. You have a future all pro in Charles Haley. And on both sides of the ball, this team was exceptional. And then in the playoffs, just blew the competition away. Beat the Vikings 41-13, to beat the Rams 30-3, to and beat the Broncos 55-10. to So their narrowest margin of victory in the playoffs was 27 points. It's a postseason offensive explosion like we've never seen. Rice and Montana are ridiculous in that Super Bowl. And I listen, it's part of the Broncos' long legacy of just getting walloped in the Super Bowl that even goes... I know that they won those two in the late 90s, and then they got one with the Peyton Broncos, but it does extend to the 2013 season when they lose 43-8. to eight. So I think that this is not the best Niners team, but to me, I would take them over the 94 Niners. I have the 89 Niners at number five on my list. So, I mean, I think you did a pretty good job covering that up. I mean, Montana threw for 3,500 yards, 26 touchdowns, eight picks. We, you ran down the – dominance of this roster they were really good team number one offense that season number three defense um they come in at number five who do you got at number five my number five we're throwing it back to pre-super bowl era i have my second packers team on this list i have the 1962 packers this if you're looking at any conversation of best pre-super bowl era team it's pretty much consensusly these guys they were 13 and one averaged 29.6 points per game which was the best in football to 10.6 points allowed, also the best in football, for a plus 19-point differential. That is the best on my list, and I believe the best in NFL history, save the 07 Pats. Uh, They have Bart Starr at quarterback. They have Jim Taylor as an All-Pro with 1,474 yards rushing and 19 touchdowns. They have two All-Pros on the offensive line, five All-Pros on defense. So I think that, I mean, regular season-wise, one of the most dominant teams of all time. I have a little bit of... I guess you could call it bias here. I'm slightly holding against them that they only had to win one playoff game when they beat the Giants 16 to seven in the championship, because we've seen a lot of great teams that if they're tested repeat repeatedly will fall. And that is part of the brutal nature of football in the playoffs is it's, you know, one game and you're out, you lose once and you're out. And that's what happened to the 07 Pats. The 62 Packers didn't have that same kind of threat. So I think they can be acknowledged as top five all time, but I can't put them that much above some of these other teams that were incredible in the regular season as well and dominated multiple teams in the playoffs. I have the 62 Packers higher on my list. I'll run down the case for them. Mm -hmm. Um, At number four, I'm going to make the case for why you should consider the 
78 Steelers better than any other 70 Steelers roster. All right, talk to me. And they're number four on my list. The, the reason being is this year the NFL lifted the – made the Mel Blunt rule, right? No contact after five yards. Mm-hmm. And many, many experts, many teams thought this would slow down the Steelers. In fact, it opened up their offensive attack for Lynn Swan and John Stallworth. Uh, so this team finished 14-2 and and defeated the Broncos 33-10 to in the divisional round, 34-5 to against the Oilers in the AAC championship game, and defeated the Cowboys in the Super Bowl 35-31. to They had the fifth-best offense that season and the best defense that year. And, I mean, like I said, this team thrived offensively uh, with the Mel Blunt rule intact. Swan and Stallworth combined for nearly 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns. And on defense, of course, you have Joe Green, Donnie Shell, Mel Blunt, Jack Lambert, and Jack Ham all earning Pro Bowl honors, with Ham also earning first-team All-Pro honors. This team had 27 interceptions under the new rules. I just think that the 78 Steelers are the closest thing to modern football that you can compare directly. Not a direct comparison, and maybe that's why I should uh, look at this unbiased 85 Bears versus 78 Steelers, uh, because it is modern football. But... I think the 78 Steelers are, I think, before 78 is a little prehistoric. And 78, you can see the makings of a modern NFL roster. So I think this is an interesting choice. I can't really criticize it all that much because this season you do have Donnie Shell really coming into his own, whereas on that 75 team, he was a bit younger. Uh, Joe Green had some injuries in the 75 season, so he wasn't healthy that whole time. But I do think... Point differential is a metric that I used a lot to sort of determine how dominant a team was. The 75 Steelers are plus 15. This Steelers team is just plus 10.1. So convincing, but not quite on the same level of the 75 Steelers. And then, yeah, the playoffs, they were pretty dominant again until they got to the Cowboys where you had a more competitive Super Bowl there. So I can't be all that critical of this choice, but I went with the 75 Steelers. So you just gave your number four. For me at number four, I have the 91 Redskins. So we already talked about this team a bit, but I'm going to give sort of some of the highlights. They were 14-2, and averaged 30.3 points per game, which was best in the league, 14 points allowed, which was second, for a plus 16.3 point differential. Some of the stats of dominance are really incredible. They have three shutouts in their first five weeks. They won seven games by at least 20 points. They started the year 11-0, and two of their losses were by three to the 11 and five Cowboys and by two to the 10 and six Eagles in the last week when they were up 19 to seven at one point in the fourth quarter. And I don't think Mark Rippon actually played in the end of that game because they had their seating locked up and they also had a big lead and they probably didn't think that they were going to blow it. So again, sort of like what I mentioned with the 75 Steelers, that's kind of a half loss in my opinion, because it's not really a meaningful game. And then, as you mentioned, dominated the Falcons by 17 Lions by 31 bills by 13 so it's interesting because this team doesn't have the star power they do have Jim Leitchie as an all-pro on the offensive line they have Mark Schlereth on that O-line again the hogs probably the signature aspect of this team and uh, yeah I just think that this is a really dominant team that has been overshadowed in history and sadly one of four straight NFC East teams that got the better of the Buffalo Bills so now let's move into the top three who do you have at number three This is a team that I'm wondering if you have on your list whatsoever. And at number three, I have the 2007 Patriots. I think that despite a Super Bowl loss to the Giants, I think this team has to be on any list of greatest teams of all time. I mean, what they accomplished going 18-0, going into the Super Bowl, I don't know if we'll ever see that again. 
Um, they had the number one offense in football that year, of course, with Tom Brady tossing 50 touchdowns to eight. Killer receiving core, Randy Moss, Wes Welker, uh, 6'5", Jabbar Gaffney, and Ben Watson, among others. On defense, you have first-team All-Pro and Pro Bowl selection, Asante Samuel with six interceptions, and fellow Pro Bowler and first-team All-Pro selection, Mike Vrabel with four forced fumbles and 12-and-a-half sacks. Belichick at the helm, coaching still. This team uh, this team was older, Yeah, I, I will admit. Uh, Rodney Harrison is 35, Teddy Bruschi is 34, Vrabel is 32, Junior Seau is 38. But they have the makings of a very young defense that will come into its own. Uh, a young Richard Seymour here at 28, uh, Brandon Merriweather at 23, rookie. Uh, this team was just – this team was the greatest team of all time until that Super Bowl. So I do not have them on my list. And the reason is this. If this list were the 10 best teams of all time, I think you have a very legitimate case that the 07 Pats, if you're picking a team to win one game in any theoretical bubble world, they might be your choice because they were utterly dominant. But at the end of the day, within a single season, in, in sports, you have one objective, and that is to win the championship. And that is something that the 07 Pats did not do. So in the history, if we are talking about the greatest teams of all time, which is the legacy you leave on the sport, what you accomplish within that individual season – I can't put a team that did not win the Super Bowl, the ultimate objective, in my top 10. So I understand for anyone that does have them, I cannot argue against their merits on a football basis because best point differential of all time, 36.8 points per game is just ridiculous. And This is peak Brady. But for me, it's an issue of principle where if you don't win the championship, you cannot be on my list, and that applies across all sports. My number three is the real undefeated team, the 72 Dolphins. Do you have something else you want to say about the 07 Pats? No, I have no problem with that. I think it's a uh, – I, I think I'm cool with that. You're, you're justified in that. I have no problem. All right. Thank you for um, giving me permission to have my opinion. So I have the 72 Dolphins at number three, and obviously ahead of the 73 Dolphins who I mentioned earlier. They're 14-0 in the regular season, 17-0 overall, 27.5 points per game, best in the league. 12.2 points allowed, best in the league, a plus 15.3 point differential. The most incredible part about this team is that they did it with backup Earl Morrall for most of the year, who was 9-0 in the regular season, then won their first two playoff games, and was all pro as a substitute, filling in for an injured quarterback. This time, Bob Greasy did it again for the 68 Colts with Johnny Unitas, all pro as a substitute for the second time. And he was all pro playing only nine starts this year. You have Dick Anderson and Bill Stanfield, both as all pros on defense. They had three regular season shutouts, including a 52 to nothing victory over the Pats. Only three of their wins came by one score. This is a nitpicky thing with this team, though. They only played two teams above 500 in the regular season, and they were both eight and six. So they did not face a single elite team throughout the regular season, which when you're trying to go undefeated, certainly helps. And then in the playoffs, we saw they beat the Browns 20 to 14. They beat the Steelers 21 to 17. They beat the Redskins 14 to seven. All three of those wins by just one possession. So obviously they have an undeniable place in the greatest teams of all time conversation, but I'm not sure that they're deserving of being the greatest of all time just because they didn't lose a game because I mean, so much of that has to do with strengths of schedule and specific context. And I just think that there are better ways of measuring the flat-out greatness of a team. You know, Carson, I will argue it. The title of this podcast will be Top 10 Greatest NFL Teams Ever, correct? Mm-hmm. Man, I just 
I still think that the 07 Patriots without a Super Bowl ring, and I understand by your by how you did your list, I understand. I still think that you can consider what the Patriots did on the field, going undefeated until the Super Bowl. People are going to remember that team. People do remember that team. I like how I went through the whole thing about the 72 Dolphins, and when you started to speak, I thought it was going to have something to do with that, and you picked up right where we left off. It was like, it was like when I asked you of anything to say, you changed your answer to, I do have something to say. I agree. This team will always be remembered. I think part of the reason for that will be negative because they lost and they were upset in one of the biggest upsets in football history. Um, but again, it's just a disqualifier for me. You have one objective. You have one objective and they failed that objective and all of the rest is not meaningless, but I don't know, you know, 72 and 10 don't mean a thing without a ring. Oh wait, no. What is it? So the, so the, so the bills have been meaningless for 60 years in the greatest of football teams of all time conversation. Yes. Like that's Ouch. listen, the 73 and nine warriors are going to be remembered for forever. I would never argue that the greatest team of all time. And I don't know, I guess that'll be interesting to see when we do our top 10 lists. If I go against my own principles here and have them as a top 10 team, but I don't think I will because you have one objective and that is to win the championship. And the 07 Pats failed to do that. As it pertains for these 72 Dolphins, it surprises me that you have them at three. I, I know that their resume isn't, is, isn't as impressive as some other teams because, I, I don't know, I would argue they might have, I mean, just because of their strength of schedule, as you mentioned, but they didn't lose. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's, as you just said, that's kind of the, the goal of, of an NFL team, to never lose to win every game. I agree with that, but I think that it's more significant. Really, for me, what matters is you win the Super Bowl. And then from there, we can look at all the nuances of the team outside of that. And I just think that there were slightly better teams, not many in history. Keep in mind, I have two that just because they don't have that undefeated mark doesn't mean that they weren't better because, I mean, it matters, right? If the best teams you play are the 8-6 and Chiefs and the 8-6 and Giants, I believe, that's just not the same strength of schedule that almost every other team in NFL history has faced. That is an exceptionally easy schedule. And so I'm not going to sit here and rag on one of the greatest accomplishments in football history, but I just don't think that that in itself makes them the greatest team of all time. Okay. Well, at number two, I have the 62 Packers as, where did you have them on your list? I had them at number five. You had them at number five. I think that just under the tutelage of Lombardi, the 62 Packers are elevated, especially when you just read down all the legends that were here. Uh, Bart Starr, Jim Taylor, Ringo Davis, Herb Adderley, and Ray Nitschke are all here. Um, they forced 53 turnovers during their season. They only lost one game against the Detroit Lions, where they lost 26-14. to They finished 13-1, to and as you said, they beat the Giants 16-7 to in the title game. If they defeat the Lions, uh, this team is clearly in contention for the number one spot. Probably I'm going to hold it against them to you know, they only had to play one championship game. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't give it to them, but they are definitely in close contention. The 53 turnover mark really surprised me and really sent home what a dominant defense they had. Of course, different rules, different era in 1962, but so much star power here, a 13-1 and season, and they got the chip. The 62 Packers, to me, were impressive with their historical resume. It's a totally fair selection. I think you could argue – that they are the greatest team of all time based on just their resume. They were so convincing in their victories. 
again, for me, it was just an issue of when you only have to win one playoff game, that's a heck of a lot easier than having to win three because that's when you're playing the best competition. My number mm-hmm. two, I don't believe is on your list unless I am spacing. I have the 1984 49ers. I think that this was the best Niners team ever. They were 15 and one, 29.7 points per game was second in the NFL that season. 14.2 points allowed was first, a plus 15 and a half point differential. You have Montana quarterback. You have Wendell Tyler as a Pro Bowl running back. They had four Pro Bowlers in their secondary with Ronnie Lott, Eric Wright, Carlton Williamson, and Dwight Hicks. They allowed the least passing touchdowns in football at just 14 versus 25 interceptions. And it's one of the dominant secondaries of all time because then in the playoffs, they allow one passing touchdown to five interceptions. And that one passing touchdown came from Dan Marino. So I think that you can let them slide on that one. Regular season, four of their last eight games, they won by over 30 points. Over 30 points. That's more than four touchdowns. Their only loss of the season was to the Steelers by three. And in the playoffs, totally dominant. Beat the Giants 21-10. Beat the Bears, who would win, you know, obviously the Super Bowl next year. 23-0. Beat the Dolphins 38-16. So in summation, they beat the next two Super Bowl winners in the Giants and Bears convincingly and destroyed Prime Marino on the best football team he's ever been on and gave each and every one of their quarterbacks absolute nightmares. I think it's one of the most underrated defenses of all time because they don't have Jerry Rice yet. They're still an incredibly dominant offense, again, scoring about 30 points per game, but it's the defense. It's one of the best secondaries ever led by Ronnie Lott, and I think it's an underrated team historically and one of the best ever. I think they are an underrated team historically. Um, I, the 84 team is not on my list. And for one reason and one reason only is that Jerry Rice isn't here. Mm-hmm. And I know historically, legacy-wise, that shouldn't matter for a team. But I was thinking about it in a potential, not one-on-one setting, because looking at this realistically, I think maybe the well, like an 8-8 eight and eight team from last season maybe could take on the 62 Packers. I don't know how yeah. football's evolved. But, I mean, we're more athletic now. They'd probably take the 62 Packers and walk the dog on them. Yeah, when it comes to it, the Niners, <laughs> the Niners did not have Jerry Rice on this roster, and I didn't want to include a team without the greatest player of all time. I thought that if Rice is on a different roster, like the 89 team or the 94 team, they should be on my list instead of this team. Here's the only thing I have to say to that. A wide receiver, even if he's the greatest player of all time, is not necessarily the driving factor in winning. And so I think that just because he's not on a team – doesn't mean that they're not the best the Niners ever had. Obviously, Jerry Rice, I think he's the greatest football player if you're looking positionally of all time. And uh, yeah, he was great for those teams. He was very important to winning. But, you know, they were able to achieve, in my opinion, their most dominant season even without him. So let's move in to our respective number ones. I believe I know who you have and you know who I have. But why don't you let the people know? Number one, the 72 Dolphins. And as I said earlier, this team never lost. Therefore, yeah. in my opinion, this makes it a very simple argument. No team in that play they played in that season beat them. They were perfect. Uh, this team finished 14 and 0, had the best offense and best defense uh, there in their season. Close finishes, uh, but they ultimately won every game they played. They beat the Browns 2014 in the divisional round, Steelers 21 to 17 in the AFC Championship game, and the Redskins 14 to 7 in the Super Bowl. And this game wouldn't even been that close if Gary Yapremian hadn't went full bum mode and just dropped the ball and let the skins take it in to score. They would have shut them out. Um, like you said, they didn't have an historic QB performance, but first team all pro selection or morale tossed a whopping 11 touchdowns to seven interceptions. <laughs> this team is, <laughs> is remembered for their ground and pound smash mouth style of play with Larry Zonka and Mercury Morris. 
Um, the team didn't lose, and that's ultimately why they're number one. Okay, fair enough. I just disagree with the argument that just because you didn't lose one game, that automatically makes you the greatest of all time. So I do have the 85 Bears. I talked about a lot of their highlights earlier, but they're 15-1, and one, a plus 16.1 point differential. Three All-Pros on defense, as you mentioned. Walter Payton in the midst of his second prime, which is so unbelievable that he's over 30 years old and he's still the best running back in football at this point in his career. Every game they won was by at least six points. As I mentioned earlier, they just eviscerated the good competition they played. The Niners by 16, Super Bowl runner-up Pats by 13, 10-6 and six Redskins, 45-10. to 10. There's a stretch in back-to-back games in weeks 11 and 12 where they beat the 10-6 and six Cowboys 44 to nothing, then the Falcons 36 nothing, and then the playoffs. You outscore your opponents 91 to 10. You shut out the first two teams you play and then beat the and win the Super Bowl by 36 points. I just think the combination of offensive power and defensive dominance is something that has never been achieved since. And it's really weird to say because, you know, it's Jim McMahon at quarterback. This is not a team filled with signature offensive talent outside of Walter Payton. But to me, they had the single greatest individual season ever. Do you have any last things you would like to say disparagingly about the 85 Bears? Yeah, man, I'm still mad at Mike Ditka for not letting Walter Payton score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Okay. Any other grievances you would like to air with Mike Ditka? Mike Ditka. Yeah, I'm mad that he let William Refrigerator Perry run that touchdown in instead of giving the ball off to Walter Payton in the biggest game of the year. One more? Uh, probably about Walter Payton and uh, the fridge. Maybe yeah. Mike Ditka in there. I just think he mismanaged that situation. Uh, let's think about some honorable mentions here. I mentioned the 98 Broncos were my first team off because – they're 14 and 2, 31.3 points per game versus 19.3 allowed for a plus 12 point differential. They were convincing in the playoffs, beat the Dolphins 38-3, Jets 23-10, Falcons 34-19. One of the most talented offenses of all time. You have MVP Terrell Davis, John Elway, All-Pro Shannon Sharp, Rod Smith, Ed McCaffrey. They started 13 and 0, so they were a a close one I left off. What about you for honorable mentions? Um, the first team off my list was the 1999 Rams, as you touched mm-hmm. on. Um, and then I just wrote down a bunch of teams that I thought that I briefly considered in some respect. Uh, the 1990 Bills, those six Chargers, uh, the 2000 Ravens, 71 Cowboys, 66 Packers, 1986 Giants, the 2010 Packers. And I really considered the 98 Vikings heavily for this despite their shortcomings in the NFC Championship game because they were so dominant in the regular season. Ultimately, I couldn't do it because they didn't even reach the Super Bowl, but I did consider them. Wow, so you had the 06 Chargers in there. A few non-Super Bowl teams for you. My next team, well, one of my really close teams that I left off was the 78 Steelers, who I already talked about. And then I also had the 86 Giants because that team's 14-2. and You have a ridiculous defense with MVP, Lawrence Taylor, you have Harry Carson, you have Carl Banks, you have 12 sack Leonard Marshall that season. They lost their first game of the year, but then they won 14 of 15. They ended the season on a 55 24 win. And the playoffs, unbelievable dominance, beat the Niners 49 3, the Redskins 17 0, the Broncos 39 20. But if you look at the regular season, nine of their wins were by one score. So to me, that's kind of a red flag where they're just not as dominant as a lot of the other teams. But in the playoffs, they were incredible. It was just. Throughout a lot of the regular season, their offense wasn't quite great enough to elevate them into that top 10 conversation for me. So that's going to do it for us here today. This was a fun one looking back at the history and some of the greatest teams of all time. And as I've mentioned and we've alluded to, we're going to be doing this again next week with the NBA, which should be a lot of fun. So I've been Carson Brabber. I've been Logan Camden. And this was NerdSack.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.